Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church Podcast. So glad that you're here listening. Isn't God good? Here we are late in September. Man, what a beautiful time it's been. We had some rain, we had some cooler weather, and uh, I think it was going to cook us there for a while. We got up into the the hundreds there for quite some time, but now it's much cooler, feeling more like fall. God is good. Kids are back in school. Things are just going on. Today we're in Judges chapter 5, the the song of Deborah. This is the song that she wrote after their great victory in chapter 4. It's an interesting song. It's, it's one of the most famous poetic uh, songs in the Bible. Um, I'm going to try to take it apart a little bit, but for the most part, I want you to just listen and enjoy the praising of God, because that's what she's really doing, is giving God the glory, giving Him the praise for all that He has done. And that's what we need to do in our lives, too. Hey, just so you guys know, um, my wife and I are taking our first sabbatical vacation um, this is the first time since pastoring this church, and honestly, it's one of the first real vacations I've taken in my entire life. But we're leaving tomorrow, Monday, and we're going to be gone for about three weeks. I'm going to miss three Sundays for sure. My brother Jim Reville is going to be covering for me, but unfortunately, he doesn't have the same app and stuff in his phone that I have to record his messages. He's going to continue on with the book of Judges, so please come on down. Listen to Jim Reville. He's going to be in Judges 6, 7, and 8. And it's all about Gideon. What an amazing story that is. I'm almost jealous that I don't get to preach it. But anyway, we're going to be gone for those few weeks. I'll try to touch bases. I'll drop a few messages uh, via, you know, the podcast. Uh, Beans, I'm carrying the phone with me. Let you know how we're doing. I'm going to miss you. This is our first adventure of leaving the church. Um, I'm a little nervous about it. It's my baby here. You know, it's, I want everything to be perfect. I I want everything to go well. And I'm sure that it will. I'm sure that it will. We've got good people uh, backing me up. God bless you. I hope to see you soon. Come out and visit us here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. God bless. So today we're in the, we're in the book of Judges. Today we're in chapter five. It's called the Song of Deborah. She actually wrote a song, sang a song, her and Barak, just after this incredible victory that God had performed that we talked about last week in chapter 4. For our guests, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody preach through the book of, of Judges. You probably have. But it's this continual cycle that goes around and around. That they get freed, they worship God, they're serving God, they're happy. And then they continue on, and and pretty soon they fall back into sin. They start acting like the people around them, the people that are living with them. That's why God said, don't live with them. And pretty soon they fall back into sin. God puts them into bondage to those that they're around because they're worshiping other gods. It just breaks the heart of God. And then finally they'll cry out to God again, and God will raise up a judge. A judge that would lead them into freedom. And you would think, you know, and sometimes they'll live as much as 80 years in freedom, harmony, worshiping God. But then they continue in that cycle and they fall back into sin. 
But we're not going to see that so much today because this is the song that Deborah wrote. Um, and it, it's really a pretty amazing song to be in the book of Judges. It's, it's historically known as one of the great songs in the Bible. Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinonim, sang on that day. This guy named Herbert Walker who wrote, No character in the Old Testament stands out bolder, a bolder relief than Deborah. A prophetess, a ruler, a warrior, a poetist. Her song is immortal because her life was dedicated to God and her deeds heroic and sublime. Judges 5 is a poetic retelling of the historical narrative that we just read in the previous chapter. Hebrew scholars regard the Song of Deborah as one of the finest examples of ancient Hebrew poetry in existence. Deborah wrote the song to celebrate the victory that liberated her, liberated her people from oppression of her dreaded enemy, the Canaanites. This poem from Deborah's life story, another example that God prophetically shows every generation of believers that with God, all things are possible. Do we believe that? Amen. Amen. All things are possible with God. She, was, she has, was nothing special or unique about her birth and upbringing. When the time came, she married Lapidoth, and, under, and lived under his covering and protection. However, when God chose her to lead, she listened to his voice and obeyed her calling. Because she obeyed, Barak and the rest of the nation followed her. And once they put away their sins and united, God moved on their behalf and gave them the victory. It was an incredible victory. We'll see it in this, some of it in this, this song. The song of Deborah emphasizes the fact when Israel leaders step up and bravely led, the people gladly followed. And that's the truth even in our day when faith leaders finally stand up and make a stand, the church follows. The church follows. Reverend Billy Graham. We followed gladly, listened, hung on every word. It's not like we're a bunch of heathens out there. We just, we really don't have the leadership. And I think God is going to be raising up in our generation some great leaders to see our country through. They stepped out bravely and people followed. Throughout the song, God's greatness is proclaimed and he is given credit for the victory. He is always given credit for the victory. You know, sometimes when we go through things, I so appreciate Jason. The first thing he wanted to do when I asked him about his baby is give God the glory. To give God the glory for his creation, for his sovereignty, for being there right when he, they needed him the most. He was there. We live in fear, but we do not walk in it. We don't have to stay there. The only reason that we're in fear is because we're mortal human beings, and that's just who we are. So let's look at Judges, chapter 5, verse 1. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinonim, saying on that day, saying, when the leaders of Israel, when leaders led in Israel, when people, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. 
Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to put a little tune to something. It's hard to put a tune to this, but it kept coming to my mind, you know, as I was studying as the, the tune for Gilligan's Island. It just, it just struck me, you know, and I thought, you know, when leaders lead, when leaders lead in Israel, Israel will be lost. And Deborah and Barak stood up, or Israel would be lost, or Israel would be lost. Come on, you guys don't remember Gilligan's Island? Come on. Young people are going, what is Gilligan's Island? What, what is that? Type it in YouTube, it'll come up, and you'll enjoy it. So I don't know what their tune was, but this keeps ringing through my head, and it'll probably bang around in your head for the rest of the day. But you'll be thinking scripture, amen? Verse 3, it says, Hear, O kings, give an ear, O princess. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praises to God of Israel, to the Lord God of Israel. Verse 4, the Lord, when you went out of Seir, when you marched on the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured and the clouds also poured water. Do you remember when I was explaining to you that there were other events that we didn't get, the writer didn't give us in chapter 4? was this incredible storm that came right when they were, they were all up on that mountain. They were ready to come down. The chariots, you know, there's nine. 1,900, 900 chariots of steel, I think they had. That means like fighting against tanks. What did Israel have? Nothing. Rocks, slings maybe at most. When they would knock a guy out, they'd grab his sword, and then they have a sword. But as far as them having anything, you'll hear in this song, they didn't have anything. But God provided all they need by he brought this incredible tempest in that caused the chariots to get stuck, and it caused their leader to jump off and run for his life. Verse 5, the mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. Verse 6, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael. Now let's notice that those two, she brings those up. Shamgar, he's that, he's that one judge that only got one chapter in the Bible. Remember that? Just one little chapter, but he killed 600 men with, a, with an ox goat which was just basically a stick with a point on it. You know, he killed 600 men with that. What an amazing day that had to be. And Jael, we, we know her story. The highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Why were they deserted? Because they were under bondage. These chariots were running up and down, and they were, they were torturing the people. They were hiding in caves. Verse 7, the village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Arose a mother in Israel. The Bible doesn't give us anything. At least the writer of these stories, which we believe is Samuel, we don't know for sure, anything about her being a mother, but I believe that she was. This says right here, this is the most important thing. She's saying, I've been many a thing, but most importantly, a mother in Israel. Verse 8, it says, they chose new gods. And there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among the 40,000 in Israel. They had no weapons. They had nothing, but they had to trust God. Verse 9, my heart was with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Verse 10, speak you who ride on white donkeys. 
and sit in judges' attire and walk along the road. Verse 11, far from the noise of the archers among the watering places, there shall be rent and righteousness acts of the Lord. The righteous acts of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Verse 12, awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away. O son of Abonim. Verse 13, then the survivors come down, the people against the, no the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. They were much mightier than these children of Israel. They had chariots of iron. They had spears. They had bows and arrows. They had all the weaponry. What did Israel have? Nothing. But they had God. From Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek. After you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Mekar, rulers came down. And from Ziblim, those who bear the recruiter's staff. She's talking about the different villages, different tribes of Israel. You might not recognize some of these. We think of the 12 tribes of Israel, but there were much more than that. There were tribes of people, and they had names, little communities. And she's mentioning them. And pay attention, because not everybody participated. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Issachar, so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command. Among the divisions of Reuben, there was great resolves of heart. They had to trust God. They had nothing but many people. Verse 16, why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings of the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have a great searchings of heart. So not everybody from Reuben went down to fight. She's mentioning that in her song. Gilad stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. Zeblin is the people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death because obviously they went out and fought. Nephali also on the heights of the battlefield. Verse 19, the kings came and fought. The kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. Sisera was the leader of the army of the Canaanites. And what she's talking about is the heavens were fighting for us. They fought from the heavens and the stars from their courses. Verse 21, the torrent of Kishon swept them away. With ancients torrent, the torrent of Kishon, O oh my soul, march on, march on in strength. They could see, and she's singing about this incredible battle that God was doing right in, for, in front of them. Verse 22, then the, horde, then the horse's hooves pounded, the galloping and the galloping of his steeds. Verse 23, curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants bitterly, because they did not come to help the, of the Lord. 
to help of the Lord against the mighty. Curse Miraz. That's a heavy scripture. Miraz is obviously a tribe of Israel that's living somewhere out there and they decided not to become part of this. There's really nothing, anything known about this city or village, Miraz, other than in this verse. And it doesn't paint a pretty picture for, of them. I believe we really need to pay attention. For what is this saying? When Israel went to battle against the Canaanite army to see themselves, to free themselves, the city of Miraz decided to just sit it out. They figured they just needed to stand on one side and cheer instead of getting involved and helping. For that reason, all the, all the citizens of that city were cursed. That is such a small passage in a seemingly insignificant mention of, of somewhat obscure city. But it holds great lessons for us to, to think that we are guilty than we even want to, are willing to admit in our own lives. How often do we sit aside the sidelines? Oh, the church is doing mighty things. Oh, yeah, go out there and, and invite people to come to church. And we, so many of us just sit on the sidelines. We're not getting involved. Well, I don't sing as good as Tony, and I can't play the guitar like David. Well, that, so that's your reason to not get involved? And we, we see it in present day, and we need to relate to what, what they're talking about. This really disappointed the the angel of the lord is the one who said this that was jesus christ that was saying curse to this city because they don't want to get involved if we sit and let our nation literally go to hell because we don't want to get involved then we're just going to go with it we have to get involved we have to fight a good fight when it comes to our home congregation how many of us seem to fall in the category of just a seat warmer and i'm not talking about my elderly you ladies and men have put your time in. You've served in this church for so many years. And, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us younger folks who still have a little bit of something left in us to get out and do the work. We have to. We can't just sit by and let it be someone else. Or maybe. Maybe they have just become tolerant to this kind of thing. So I'll let them take care of it. There was always a reason not to get involved. There's always an excuse that keeps us from helping out with the work of the congregation. If we aren't careful, we will forever just be cheerleaders on the sidelines, never wanting to get involved in the actual game. And as a pastor, when I see it, that's sad. And I'm not talking about just our little church. We're talking about the church as a whole. It's so often that just a few do all the work and everybody else just sits on the sidelines and watch. And thinks, well, when they do better, more people will come. Come on, man, that's your job to bring people in. It's your job to invite your friends, your neighbors, your relatives to come and see what's going on in church. Just take this a little broader. How is our participation in the universal sense of the church? Do we look at opportunities to share the gospel with those who we are around? Or do we think of ourselves as a Christian outside of this place on Sunday? Or maybe a other occasional weeknight if we have a service? 
Our lives are going along smooth and there's no reason to mess that up. We don't look for those who are in need. We don't help to evangelize. We are wrapped up in our own lives and we miss the battle where we're needed too often. That's what this study of Judges is all about. And we need to see that. I'm not picking on, this is my precious children here that I'm talking to. And you guys are awesome as a church. We are. But you know what? We can do better. If each person, I don't know, how many, did you count, Bob? How many we got here today? 40. Okay. If, if every person brought one person, how many we would have next week? 80. It's amazing how fast it could grow if somebody would just take the time. Hey, you go to church and come on, be with me. It's an amazing thing. But sometimes our life is just going too smooth. We don't want to get involved. Satan is a fierce and mighty enemy that is looking for lives to destroy. Can I get an amen? amen? If you don't think Satan is a fierce and mighty enemy, you're completely deceived. We have an enemy, and he is out there to deceive us, to break us, and to get us to look so comfortable in our little ways, and we're doing just fine. Let's, let's don't disturb it. We have a great church. Tony and I brag about this church all the time. When we get together and talk, we're talking about y'all. There's no backbiting. There's no fighting. There's no arguing. We love each other, truly worship God together. But if that's all we do, we're missing it, Tony. We got to share that. We got to share. We got to share what God is doing in us, through us, around us. And that's the point that we have to let others know. The Bible tells us that he who is not with me is against me. These people that were sitting in that town that chose not to get in the fight, they were, well, they believe in God, but God took it as there against me. So he cursed them. Either you're fighting with God, are you fighting against him? May it never be said that we did not come to help of the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. May it never be said against this church that we are always willing to jump out there and fight the battle. We're always willing to get the lost and reach the lost. You know, Tony, when uh, we were sitting here before service and the phone rang, yeah. that was a young man, Keith Martin. I met him in jail. And he said, as soon as I get out of jail, the first Sunday, I'm coming to your church. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Yeah, but hey, no, <laughs> praise God. He called. He lost my phone number because I gave him my card before I left because I knew he was about to get released. And he called the church because he lost that card. And he said, I just want to let you know, I'll be there next Sunday. He said, I didn't have any gas to get there. But I figured I could call you and let you know I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. And he wants to bring his whole family. He's trying to reunite with his family. It's a process. It's a process. And he's going through that process. And I just praise God. I hope that we fill this guys up just like him. Just fill it up with people that's in somewhere in the process. And they see the help and the love that this church can, can afford them. And we love you and we care about you. But so many of us want to just sit on the sidelines. And that's what this song was about. Verse 24. Most blessed among women of Jael. The woman of Heber, the Kenite. 
Now we learned last week that Haber was the relation to Moses. And they had kind of broke themselves apart and they had made their little camp. They were getting along with the Canaanites. They had no real issue with them. But she's the one who put a spike through Cesare's head. Verse 25. He asked for water. She gave him milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched out her hand, <laughs> her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Cesare. She pierced his head and split and struck through the temple, through his temple. Wow. I still can't get over that story. Verse 27, at her feet, he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. Well, we know because we read the story, he didn't fall anywhere. He was laying on the ground asleep when she pounded that stake through. But she's talking about his soul. He's, it's gone. It's, it's pounded down into the ground. Verse 28, the mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why, why tarries the clatter of his chariots? I think this is a very interesting thing to put that she put in the song. She's a mother herself. And she feels for the mother of this slain warrior of the enemy. She feels for her. Her wildest lady, ladies answered, yes, she answered herself, are they not finding and dividing the spoil? Because that's what they did to every man, a girl or two. For Sisera pounded, plundered of dried, dyed garments, plundered of garments and embroiled, embroiled and dyed to pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. Thus, let your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. Amen. Amen. That was her song. And she said, let it stand for 40 years. So the land had rest for 40 years. And we're going to see next week when Jim brings you chapter six, the cycle starts again. And Gideon is going to be the next, going to be the next. Yeah, this is interesting. It was 138 years from Othniel to Ehud, then Shamgar, which we only have that one verse, so we don't have a lot of years. And it was 20 years before Deborah's song. And now 40 years of rest in Israel. But then they did evil in the sight of the Lord again in chapter 6. It says that the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midians for seven years. So you have 198 years plus seven years. It's 205 years since Judges first began. That's pretty interesting. You think, because when we read through the story, you think, oh, this is just happening. Boom, boom, boom. No, it, it, took, it took 200 years to get here. How long has the United States been a nation? About 250, I think we talked about this a week or two ago. And we're slipping bad. We're slipping bad, pulling the Bible out of schools, pulling prayer out of schools, Toler tolerating. We, we are now become the enemy, the church in the United States, because we're intolerant. 
We don't want to accept homosexuality in our churches. We don't want to marry women to women and men to men. And we're called haters. Christian church in America. We need to open our eyes and see that we're going through the same structure that the judges went through. It's happened before and we need to see it. And we need to come together as a church and be together. Amen. Tony, would you come back up?